0: Today, we will be continuing our current sermon series, Two Truths and a Lie. Well, good morning. Good morning, Joe. Hey, I'm Joe. As was mentioned here, I serve as one of the pastors here at Riverbend. And I'm so excited that each and every one of you is here with us today. I want to extend a special welcome to all of our first time guests. We would love to get to know you and to connect with you. You can fill out a connection card, also, pick up a gift bag in the hallway. That's our way of saying thanks for being here. And beyond just excited about being together and gathering, I'm also excited because I have a special guest here with me today. My mom is here today, and she loves when I do stuff like this. And she came in from the Atlanta area to be here with us, and we are so excited that she is here. And, man, she's loving those grandbabies. And my my son is so excited to see my mom that is called Nini by the grandkids. And so a lot of hugs and a lot of good times have been had so far. And she's here with us for the next couple of days as well. But man, we are just so grateful that she's here, excited for us to be together this morning as we are continuing our teaching series called Two Truths and a Lie. And really what I want to start out by saying to you is we're in this series for Two more weeks, this week and the following week, and then on Father's Day, we're going to kick off a brand new teaching series called Extraordinary Love based off the book of Hosea. All right, so if you want to get ahead in your reading and try to figure out, hey, where are we going? Those are a couple of things. But this series is named after a game called Two Truths and a Lie. And so Two Truths and a Lie is a game that people play where they're trying to get to know each other. And essentially what they do is they get two truths and one lie about themselves, but they have to guess which one's the lie. And it's difficult to do because the lie sounds like the truth. And in life, that happens as well. That It's very easy to look at truth and lies, and it's hard sometimes to tell the difference. It's like what my son Ray does. He has this awesome imagination. And so he can take things that are not true, uh, a reality that is not true, And use his imagination to dream up things that he's seen or things he's been thinking about. And it's awesome. I love his creativity. But here's what's challenging sometimes. The rules of his imagination, the rules and the ways things are supposed to be, at times don't match up with reality, right? There are things that he wants to do that aren't the way they're supposed to be done. And it's hard for him to get out of that space sometimes. He's like, no, you're not playing it right. You're doing it wrong. I'm like, no, son, listen, th- there's a way to do this. <laughs> and we're going, this is not good. This isn't the way it's supposed to be. In the same way in our lives, we can do things. We can be a part of something that seems like the truth, seems good for us, but is not the truth. It's not reality. It's hard to know the difference. And so, what we want to do is we want to be a people that live in the truth and not live in lies. And, and that, again, is so easy to say, but it's difficult at times to do because, again, they look oftentimes alike. And so in this series, we've been really seeking to do that. And one of those truths and realities of, of life is that there are different seasons, right? There, there are seasons for sowing and growing and harvesting. And how many of you would say, I have a green thumb out there? Green thumbs, like to plant, like to garden. Don't be shy, you know. You, you enjoy it, and, and you're so excited because we've left Narnia left Narnia. and What I mean by that is we were in winter, winter for a long, long time here, right? We were like, when is the sun going to shine, right? Like, when, When is it going to be above 27 degrees, right? Whatever the temperature was, it was crazy. And so we were waiting for a very long time. And as we, we think about that idea, one of the things I've been able to watch very closely are my good friends who are my neighbors, Mr. Randy and Mr. Miss Eileen. So Mr. Randy and Miss Eileen are our neighbors. And they have been doing the prep work to garden and to get ready for this season. They've been working really, really hard. And and they allow us to to see and and be a part of of the process. And my son, Ray, gets to pick some of the things off the garden. And as you look at some of the things that they've planted, as we go through some of these pictures, you see things that they have planted, whether that is Starting with these seeds and then seeing things grow like strawberries, potatoes, bees. There's all kinds of things that they've planted. And as you continue just to look through some of these pictures, you start seeing the, the ways in which they have been going at it. They have been going at it. And, and here some of the pictures. There's a, their dog, Willow. Ray loves Willow, by the way. And, and so they, they have these ways in which that they've planted. There are these boundary lines that they've set. And then they bring over these things for us to share and enjoy as a family. They do door-to-door service. No tip needed, they said. You know, you, But they come over. They text, hey, do you want some strawberries? Do you want some lettuce? And I'm like, yes. I'm like, what's, I want to ask, what's the fee? But I know the answer to the question, right? They're like, we have so much. If we don't use it, it will go to waste. But again, you see the, the power of, of sowing and things growing as well. And as we think about that, In life, here's the first part of what I want to give to you today. Whatever you sow will grow. Whatever you sow will grow. Now, oftentimes, as we're learning to plant and as we're learning to, to do things in life, sometimes we grow in different ways, right? We grow in wisdom. We grow in character. It doesn't always work out the way we want it to go. But growth happens because to sow means you're being intentional, To sow means you've come up with a plan and and you're giving yourself to this. You're taking care of it. You're watering it, just like my friends Randy and Eileen have done. They're making sure things are where they should be and how it should look. And when it gets too cold, they cover it up. They have this whole process that I don't fully understand, but I get to watch from afar, right? But again, in life, it's true. Whatever you sow will grow. So as we think about that, here's something For us to just wrestle with, what type of life do you want to grow? What type of life do you want to grow? And I want you to just be thinking about that, because as we are going to hear from the Apostle Paul, as we continue a a passage that we looked at a bit last, two Sundays ago, where Ed did a great job, one of the leaders here in our community, going through Galatians 5. I wanted to look at the, the tail end of that and also Galatians 6 and it's very fitting that today's Pentecost Sunday and Pentecost Sunday is the day where we remember we celebrate that the Holy Spirit came and when the Holy Spirit came the disciples were filled and they were reminded that they were to be witnesses and they had the courage to go into Rome in the heart of persecution and proclaim and demonstrate the Jesus way and that same spirit is available to us it is what empowers us and it enables us to stay in step with what God has for our lives. And we're going to hear what Paul has to say as he's addressing something very specific that was going on there. And that really was this idea of Judaizers. So there's a group of people called the Judaizers. Say that with me. Judaizers. Yes, Judaizers were, were a group of people who were trying to convince people, hey, Jesus is good, and Man, follow Jesus, and, and you need to be circumcised. But for those who, were not, who didn't grow up Jewish, for them, this was like, what? Say, what? Like, hey, I'm willing to give my whole life to Jesus, but do I have to do circumcision? You know, this is kind of a, a big deal. But they were adding, they were adding to what Jesus had done for them and saying, hey, you, you can't measure up until you do this, until you fulfill not only the requirements by faith in Christ, but also the Jewish ceremonial law. And so they're really emphasizing this on this group of people, and they're led astray. They're deceived in the midst of this. And Paul is doing some course correction to them and helping them to understand this life that we were created for, this life that is in step with the Spirit, and then allows us to take on the character and the competencies and the way in which Jesus lived his life. And so if you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to open up with me. We're going to start in Galatians 5. Galatians 5, starting in verse 22 through 26. Verses are on the screen. You can power up your Bible. We've got Bibles out in the hallway as well. Listen to what it says here. It says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And so what you hear Paul talks about, he says, hey, there's another way of life for us, and that is to walk in step with the Spirit, to be filled with the Spirit, to bear the fruit of the Spirit. This is the life of us who are in Christ Jesus. This is what we're we're called to. This is what Jesus would say in John 13 through 17 would happen in our lives, that there would be an advocate and a counselor and a convictor of our need for God and of our sin when we get off track with god's design for our lives he would come in our lives and as we're filled with him we come to bear his character in our lives we come to bear his traits we do our life in step with the spirit it's not in our effort and our strength but rather in partnership with the holy spirit with surrender to the holy spirit with saying i want to surrender i want to give access to the spirit in my life, I want him to have access to every part of who I am, my thoughts, the way in which I'm going to live out those thoughts. I want to stay in step when he is asking me to do something, and the answer to the Spirit should always be yes. Yes, I want to do this, this thing that you're asking me to do, even when it scares me, even when it requires courage, even when it doesn't seem to make sense to me on a human level or perspective. But Paul says, not only are we to have the Spirit and to bear the fruit of the Spirit that comes again from remaining in Jesus, this only happens again from the Spirit's work in us in response to Jesus, but also to recognize there's no law against the fruit of the Spirit. There is no law against such things. He's saying, this is the life we were created for. This is what it means to walk in the freedom that Christ has for you. But then he says, those who belong to Christ have crucified its flesh with its passions and its desires. In other words, our flesh and our desires at times are out of step with the Spirit's leading in the design of God. And so when Paul says these words, you've got to remember what he says in Galatians 2.20. It says, "For I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. And that doesn't mean we don't have desires or passions, but rather our passions and desires are handed to the leadership of Jesus and they're filtered through his hand and we are following what it is that he has for us. But as he says this, he really speaks to something that is important as well. The religious leaders of that day, the Judaizers, they would look down on people. And so he says, let us not become conceited we're not, we're not to be conceited, prideful. We're not to be those types of people. We're not to, to compare, which is the word envying. Compare where we are versus where somebody else is. Because you can always find somebody who's behind you, right? But you also can find someone who's ahead of you in the spiritual life, right? But he said, hey, don't get caught up in that. Don't get caught up in being conceited and provoking people in a way that's unhelpful to what it means to walk in step with the Spirit. And we need to hear this more than ever because I think it's tempting to wait for someone else to change or to wait for the culture to change or wait for Christianity or evangelicalism to change. And God is inviting us to change. And the change isn't in our own power and in our own might. It's by the power of the Spirit within us. And so as we think about that, a couple things I want to give to you. The Holy Spirit enables us to sow and grow the fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit enables us to sow and grow the fruit of the Spirit. And so as we think about that in our lives, we want to give access to the fruit of the Spirit, but that happens when we give the Holy Spirit access to every part of who we are. It's like what my friends Randy and Eileen are doing. They're they're planting these seeds, right? There's intentionality with their life. There's a design in which they're following There are boundary lines that they even have. And those boundary lines aren't to hinder the fruit from growing. They're to help the fruit to grow and flourish. In our lives as well, there are boundary lines that God gives us. And they're not to hurt or hinder us. But they're for our benefit and the benefit of others in our lives. And for the world in which God has sent us to. Just as we follow after Jesus and being about his kingdom ways. And so these boundary lines, again, are for our flourishing and thriving, even when they don't make sense to us, even when they at times hurt, even at times when we look at them and everybody around us says, that's, that's just idiotic or doesn't make sense or is foolish. We recognize, wait a minute, there is a designer and he has a design for my life and I want to be in line with his design. I want to flourish. I want to help others flourish. I want to join Jesus in bringing his kingdom ways to the earth. So here's a question for you. Are you staying in step with the Holy Spirit? Are you staying in step with the Holy Spirit? And if you're not sure, one of the great ways to to find that out is is there anything in your life, whether it's a fear or a longing, you're unwilling to talk to him about and to give him permission to lead you in? Is there anything? And then those who are close to Jesus and close to you, you can ask them, hey, when, when you read this list of the fruit of the Spirit, do you think of me? Do you think of, of my character, who I am, who I'm becoming? And what areas can I grow and improve on as I let the Spirit have access? Because we're all a work in progress, including myself. This is not about perfection. But this is about the Spirit having His will and way in my life to say, Jesus, I want to follow you, and I can't follow you in my own power. I need a supernatural power to do that, and that's what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. Praise be to God. Well, as we continue on here, I want you to hear what Paul says. He says this in Galatians 6. He says, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves, or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own action. Then they can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else. For each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, the one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. And as Paul is really unpacking this, he's he's saying, hey, listen, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, there's a way in which we're to respond and go to them. And specifically in this context, Judaizers were saying, hey, we relish in the fact that you're failing. (laughs) We love it. We love it. We, We caught you. You won't measure up. They, they love it. That's what religiosity does. Religiosity says, there's no hope for you, and we're glad you're struggling, and you're failing, and I'm better than you. And Paul says, whoa, 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 hold on, hold on, wait a second. If we're caught in sin, if any one of us is caught in sin, which means there's something that we're doing in our life that's out of step with God's design for us, whether it's an action or an inaction. So there are things that we're doing that he's designed us not to do. He's created us in a way that says, hey, this is not what I have for you. But then there are things that he asks us to do that we're not doing. So there's are called the sins of commission and the sins of omission. And the sins of omission are easier for us to be like, oh, that's not a big deal. But in the kingdom of God, it is a big deal. Because there's a way of life, again, that he has for us to flourish and thrive. And so he says here... Hey, if if someone's caught in sin, if someone's caught in them, you need to go to them gently. In other words, you want to go to them as a surgeon would approach somebody who has something they need need to repair. It will hurt, you know, because they have to do some work in the midst of what the issue is, whether that's a surgery that has to happen. And in a spiritual way, when there's spiritual surgery, we're to go with a carefulness. To that person, Because we know ourselves, when we look in the mirror, we recognize our shortcomings and our failings. We don't have an inflated view of ourselves. We have a proper perspective about ourselves. And he says, those who live by the Spirit, again, should restore that person gently. And this is really important because we're meant to live by the Spirit. And when we see somebody out of step with what God has for them, we do this because we love them and we care for them not because we want to see them fail, not because we think we're better than them or that we're more spiritually mature than them. Rather, our attitude and our perspective is for them to experience restoration. This is why Jesus would say, hey, listen, before you deal with the speck in your brother or sister's eye, you better get that plank out of your eye. Because you can't help somebody with a speck when you've got a big old plank in your eye. You can't. You can't help them. But this is saying, hey, what we want to do is we want to walk alongside one another. We want to carry each other's burdens. We want to be a people that walk in community with one another. We, again, don't want to have an inflated view of ourselves so that we won't fall into temptation ourselves. We don't don't want to be that type of person. Because, again, if anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. And what's he saying? He's saying, if you have a view of yourself yourself, that's not right in step with what God says of you and has for you and doesn't acknowledge your failures and your shortcomings, you're deceived. And it's easy to be deceived because self-righteousness deceives us. Self-righteousness has a way of doing that in our own lives. And there's all kinds of fundamentalism right now, not just in the church, but in the culture. There's a system of beliefs that we're holding on to that allow us to think that we're better than we are and to look down on people. We deceive ourselves when we're not in line with God's design. There is a way of life that He's calling us to. And we want to come with humility. We want to come with the the right perspective and the right posture to people. Again, we should test our own actions without comparing ourselves. We don't need to get caught up in the comparison trap because no one wins in comparison. Nobody wins in that. And not only... Does he say that? But he also gets to the the heart of this when he says we should carry our own load. And what that really means is it's easy to put burdens on other people and the religious leaders were doing that. They're like, hey, your load, yeah, it's it's heavy, but here's more things for you to do. Let me add more. (laughs) Let's put more on you. And he says, wait a minute, we need to own our part of the process of walking and working deeply with God in the act of surrender and trust. So each of us needs to show up. Each of us needs to show up and allow God to do the work within us, but also to allow others to help carry the burden with us. But I can't carry your burden if you're unwilling to do your part and then allow me to help you, right? But I can't carry the full burden for you either. That's called codependence, right? I can't. And that may be an issue on my end or your end, right? And if you're not going to allow someone to carry the burden, that's called independence. But we're called to another way in the kingdom of God. It's called interdependence. Say that word with me, interdependence. It's interdependence. It's not independent it's independence and it's not codependence. It's interdependence. So as we think about this, here's a couple of things. First, I'm reminded of this African proverb when I read, read these verses. It says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. If you want to go fast, go alone. It's true. And there are times you need to go alone. But I think many of us, that is the way in which we like to operate, alone. But the way of God and the way of Jesus and the way of the Spirit is community. And we see that with God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, this, the, the beautiful dance of the Trinity. And we're invited into that. And if we're going to go further If we're going to thrive, if we're going to flourish, we're not going to go alone. We're going to go with others. It's for our benefit and the benefit of others. Even the things that we look at in our lives, whether it's at our home, our workplace, whether it's in our neighborhood, there are opportunities that we have to invest in others by being intentional with inviting them into the things that we do. These ordinary things that we do. Sometimes it's even taking them grocery shopping with us, right? And some of you are like, no, thank you. I don't want to do that. Right? (laughs) You pick it, what it is. But I'm saying there is opportunity to really live this out, where there's intentionality behind it. And we not only grow, but we help them to grow. We help them to step further into what God has for them. Again, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And then the next part of this is that we are created For community that allows us to safely confess our sins to each other we are created for a community that allows us to safely confess our sins to one another and it's tempting to just confess to god alone or just to confess to others but we're to confess to god and we're to confess to one another those who we would say are pointing us to jesus those who are those safe people in our lives who are going to say, hey, I want to help you. I want to walk with you in this. I want to, I want to pray with you. I want to walk with you. I want to help you through this process in your life. And, and again, in, in the church, we sometimes have been really guilty of not creating safe spaces for honest conversation about sins where we have missed the mark. And there's shame and there's pride and there's ridicule that's thrown our way But it's not just that we confess sin, but we're brought to not only what the sin is, but what God says about said sin and about us and what he has for us and his design for our lives. So it's, yes, confessing, but it's also being pointed to Jesus. It's, again, like my friends, Randy and Eileen, they have these boundary lines for their plants, for the things that they're growing, the fruit. And we want to step in those boundary lines, and we want to help one another to do that. And praise be to God that we have a community like that here. I, I'm proud, proud to say that God in his grace has allowed us to do that. And it's not the pride that says, hey, I'm puffed up about it, but rather recognizes, wait a minute, God, you've done this. And we want to continue to be a community like that. Again, we are created for community that allows us to safely confess our sins to each other. The next part of this, we are, we are created for community that helps us to carry each other's burdens. We are created for a community that helps us to carry each other's burdens. And I think about that in my own life. I, I'm reminded of my good friends, Jason and Robin McDaniel. And Jason and Robin McDaniel, many of you know who they are, but I'm reminded of the length of, of time that they have been part of our church here, really in a lot of ways since the beginning how they have walked alongside Amy and I in a variety of ways. I'll never forget when Amy's dad was in the hospital on his deathbed. Jason and Robin came in with food for the whole family. And it's a Pennsylvania Dutch family, so you know it's not small, okay? They came in with with food for the whole family. Uh, and, And to serve and to pray with us and to encourage us. And to take care of some practical needs that we had as that time was happening. I'm reminded when when Ray was born and all the health issues that came with little Ray. How they came alongside us and encouraged us. And walked with us. I'm reminded of not only their love in those ways, but even as we think about what Riverbed has become, they are such a big part of that. It's a gift to say as an elite pastor that I have people who shoulder this responsibility, this burden, this call with me. And Jason and Robin are those types of people. And I praise God for them. And I thank God for them. But then I think about that in my own life how I want to help others. I think about people who have lost fathers recently. And I've been able to speak words of just encouragement over them. Saying, hey, Listen, as you're going through this, I'm not trying to put my experience on you, but let me tell you some things that helped us. Let me, let me help you think through this. Or I had a, a pastor buddy of mine whose daughter has ongoing health issues. And he's like, man, we're in our eyeballs of debt. We don't know how to pay for this. I'm like, hey, let me, have you thought about medical assistance? Have you, have you thought about these things? And he's like, we didn't even know where to look for that. And why can I speak to that? Why can Amy and I speak to that? Because we've walked through that, right? We're only giving what we've received, first of all, from people like Jason and Robin, but then our own experiences and how God walks with us through those things. And the same thing is true for you. Again, we are created for community that helps us to carry each other's burdens. And so as we think about that, here's the next part of it. And it's simply this, when is the last time you received and gave being celebrated and challenged? We want to be celebrated for what God's doing in us, what he's called us to, who we are, the uniquenesses which he's made us. But there are times we need to be challenged. Challenged to grow, challenged to take steps. And really throughout the summer, my hope is that we would take advantage of the opportunities throughout Riverbend to experience community in that way. Where we can safely confess sins, but also where we can bear each other's burdens where we can be celebrated where we can be challenged and this is the type of community that paul in the new testament calls us to this is the way of jesus this is what he's intended for us and there are all kinds of opportunities you know whether it's faith night you know iron pigs whether it's the cornhole tournament for the guys right coming up father's day for bragging rights all right i know I know some of you guys are like playing it like, oh, no, no, I'm not that interested in it. Yeah, yeah, you want the bragging rights. I get it. But these are opportunities, and there are only a few that I mentioned, but there's so many going on. Again, when is the last time you received and gave being celebrated and challenged? Well, as we wrap up this section of of Scripture here, it says this. It says, do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. Whoever sows to please their flesh from their flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all the people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers." And so what you hear Paul says, he says, hey, don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. He can't be mocked. A man, a woman, reaps what they sow. Again, whoever sows to please their flesh, to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. And again, whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. And what is he talking about? He's talking about this kingdom living that we're called to. The sowing and reaping principle is what Jesus would talk about in Matthew 6 when he talks about seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. It's about joining Jesus and what he has for your life and looking forward and being a preview of that coming kingdom when he'll make all things new. But he says, let's not grow weary in doing good. Because if we don't grow weary in doing good, in due season we're going to reap a harvest. If we don't give up. You know, like I mentioned my friends, Randy and Eileen, they, they didn't give up even when they were in Narnia, right? <laughs> and the snow was falling and it was cold. And it's like, when, when is the sun going to hit these things that we're planting? Like, when is that going to happen? And there's a harvest that they are reaping. And there's a harvest that we're reaping and enjoying from them as a result. And in our lives as well, the same thing is true. The same thing is true. And he says, hey, as we have an opportunity, let us do good. Let us do good to the people, especially those who are part of the family of God. Let us be a people who join Jesus in what he has for us. And specifically in this context, it's really important not to miss, this is also talking about the way we view our possessions, our money, our stuff. And again, if you read Matthew 6, Jesus gives a lot of great encouragement towards how we look at those things but I don't want us to miss what he's getting at because, again, he's talking about sowing and reaping. And I came across this from the book Live No Lies* by John Mark Comer. He says this, sow a thought, reap an action. Sow action, reap another action. Sow some actions, reap a habit. Sow a habit, reap a character. Sow a character, reap a destiny. Either in slavery to the flesh or freedom to spirit. So as we, we hear that, here's what I want to ask you. I want to ask you this question as we continue on here. Again, whatever you sow will grow. So what are you sowing and reaping right now in your life? What, what is happening within you? And then let's get specific here. Whatever you sow will grow. So what are you sowing and reaping in your thoughts, in your actions, in your habits, in your character? I want you to just be thinking about that. Like, what are you sowing and reaping in these areas? And good news, good news, because of the spirit within us, we can course correct if we're off track. Because there are times we're going to be off track. I'm off, tra- off track at times. If you don't believe me, just ask my wife, Amy, and you can ask my mom who raised me, right? She's here. She'll, she'll verify, yes, there are times you've been off track, right? There are things in our lives that we're off track and the beautiful thing is by the power of the Spirit and with community, we can get back on track. We don't have to keep sowing seeds that are of the flesh, but we can start sowing seeds that are of the Spirit. We can starve these things that are outside of God's design with the flesh and, and feed the things of the Spirit. So again, whatever you sow will grow. So what are you sowing and reaping in your thoughts, in your actions, in your habits, in your character? And then the last part of this, because I don't want us to miss this, we don't do this alone. We do this in community. Who will you create community with this summer? Who are you going to share life with this summer? Who are you going to intentionally allow in? And we've been in a long season where I think we've got comfortable with isolation, but I think we're reaping the harvest of isolation right now. I really do. I really do. If you look at all the statistics... Around things with anxiety, mental health. So much of it is rooted in doing life alone, but we're not created to do a life alone. We're not created that way. We are intended, we are intended to have others walk with us to bear the burdens that we carry, but also to bear their burdens. And sometimes the burdens are a sin that we're struggling with or a stress in life, a pain point, a suffering, But sometimes they're even the good things, right? (laughs) Sometimes you're like, man, there's a lot of good happening, and it's becoming heavy. Can you help carry the burden with me? Can you help shoulder the load with me? Will you celebrate with me? Will you pray with me? Will you help me think through this? Again, we're created for community. And so I I really just want to encourage us as we think about this. Again, who are those people? Who are those one to five people you're going to intentionally build community with this summer? who are they? Who are they? I want you to name them. And we don't have to call out names right now, but I want you to name them. I want you to really be thinking about this. And also I want you to give thought to your sowing and reaping of those things that we talked about. And we want to give you a chance to respond. And we're going to do that a little different today in the sense that I want to, before we even get to the part of praying over what we've talked about, I want to give you a chance to think about how you'll respond, okay? So first, if their prayer that you need or you've made any decision I would love for you to text us th- at this number if you said hey today's the day I'm either putting my trust in Jesus today's the day I want to get back in alignment with what God's got for me I want community will you help us will you help us find community and the answer is yes we will we want to so so we want to hear from you in those things the other part of responding It's through the giving of gifts. And I want to invite you to give as you feel led. There's a couple different ways you can do that. Your generosity allows us to do things like VBS and all the opportunities that we're talking about this summer. So I want to encourage you, as you feel led and are able, to either text it in, use the app. You can mail it in, or you can go online to riverbendonline.org. give And then there's offering baskets in the hallway as well. But then the last part of this is I want to give us a chance to respond by communion. And so I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And as they come back up, if you have not received communion supplies and you would like to partake in community, will you, communion, will you just raise your hand and we'll make sure we get you communion supplies. If you need communion supplies, there's some hands over here, some hands on this side. Just keep them up, keep them up. And I want to remind us that communion is a chance for us to take inventory. And so what what I want to ask us to do is, Robin, if you can go back to that question about sowing and reaping and those four areas that are are mentioned, I want you to be thinking as we receive communion and as we walk with Jesus and and what he has for us, and we remember that in communion, we participate in community, community with him, community with others. And so communion is a chance for us to take inventory. And so I want to invite you, if you are a follower of Jesus, to partake in communion and to be reminded of what it is that Jesus has done for you. We do this in remembrance of him, the one who willingly laid down his life for us. And you're wondering, man, how do I crucify my flesh in the desires of it? We don't do it in our own strength. Again, we do it by the power of the Spirit, but we do it by the one who freely gave of his own flesh his body broken for you his body broken for me his blood shed for you we look at him we lift him up and we confess we are thankful for what you've done and if there are sins or things out of step with god's design for you you confess forgive me father forgive me Thank you, Jesus, that you provide forgiveness. I don't have to perform. I don't have to earn. I just receive and I respond. If there are people you need to forgive, this is the time to do it. If there are people that you need to go to and ask for forgiveness, Jesus says, when you take communion, when you remember my body broken for you and my blood spilled for you, you're to do so with a reverence and a recognition of what I've done for you. And don't lose sight. It's not just our relationship with God. It's our relationship with one another and with those in our lives. So as you feel led, I want to invite you, if you're a follower of Christ, to receive communion. Let these questions, this question here, guide you in these areas. And then I want to pray for us right now. And again, as you feel led, you can partake of communion. Father, right now, we thank you for your love for us. You are so, so good. And Father, we don't come with pride. We don't come with what we've accomplished. We come because of what you, Jesus, have accomplished on our behalf. We come low because you came low to us. No one took your life. You gave it. You became a servant. You did this to pursue us, to reconcile us, so that we could have a right relationship with God the Father, so we could have forgiveness of sin, so that we could join you in bringing your kingdom goodness to the earth to be people who not only receive you but then join you in proclaiming and demonstrating just like the early church did when the Holy Spirit came upon them at Pentecost so Spirit we're giving you access to every part of us right now Lord we want to just invite you to show us what are we sowing what are we reaping right now What is the work that you want to do deep within us and i pray not by effort or might or our own wisdom but by through surrender through trust and in community with others in jesus name we pray